<sighs> we need to stop for a break. We've been walking for hours. Uh, I think it's days. We need to find food first. And shelter. Hold strong, comrades! Drop that comrade crap. My feet hurt. Hey, it wasn't our idea to get off the bus. Listen, it wasn't safe. In the rain. I'm telling you, there were spies on that bus. Maybe even more cinema assassins. How? How could they have known we were on that bus? Thought they all died in that restaurant explosion. That old couple in the back have been looking at us funny since Albuquerque. Oh, come on. You also said that about the truckers in Tucson. And the Girl Scouts in Gallup. <laughs> and the furries in Flagstaff. In scrutinizer Zachariah's defense, uh, they did seem rather surly. Because he jumped in one of their laps and took a selfie. They weren't even on the bus. It was a calculated maneuver to throw them off. You can't be too careful. The High Council has eyes everywhere. Oh, yes, uh, quite. But certainly we are safe here alone with each other. You know, old friends. Holy shit. You're still with us? Then here, hold my bags. Uh, yes, sir. Where the bloody hell are we anyway? Uh, three miles east of the middle of fucking nowhere. The last sign we passed said Hooker, Oklahoma. You'd like that, wouldn't you, you filthy codger? What's that building up there, far side of this parking lot? That, my fellows, smells like an opportunity. Onward! Smells like gasoline and formaldehyde. I know, it's making me nostalgic. How could you smell it this far away? Put that paper bag down. What? What is this place? It's a museum or something. Look at all this art. The, uh, the incredibly meaningful but obscure museum of incredibly obscure but meaningful art of obscure meaning. How did you know that? Oh, well, um, you see, it says so on the sign over the door. Oh. I can't argue with that. <laughs> Check it out. These gifts don't even animate. Stop prodding the paintings, you gem toddler. Uh, we're safe for now, and dry. I suppose this is as good a time as any to hold our next conclave. Oh, hey, check this piece out. See how there's like 50 layers of paint and bits of junk all piled on, almost like the artist is trying to make it hard to understand what the hell is really going on. It puts me in mind of Angel's Egg a dense and impenetrable Japanese animated movie filled with impossible imagery and, and layers upon layers of meaning. And you want to subject us to all this? Well, an abandoned museum full of crumbling artifacts? Can't let such a significant setting go to waste. I do have to say the aesthetic does have something going for it. Oh, you and your fucking aesthetics. Uh, seriously, how do you swipe right on these things? Oh, shut up. Somewhere near the middle of nowhere America, past the abandoned coat room of a museum that no one remembers and fewer liked to begin with. Beyond the incredibly significant coffee table and the styrofoam block of meaning, a secret society huddles around a cell phone flashlight, desperately dodging the deep deceptions and draconian dictates of a global conspiracy to scrutinize those films which are rumored to drive viewers to madness and dissolution. 
and maybe dry off their soggy togs and find something to eat. Draw closer, dear listener. Let your trembling ears sup upon the eldritch knowledge of the Cinemania Society. We, we the fellows of the Lenses Hall do convene to judge if the Cinemania worthy of our esteem or whether it should be cast down with hokum. Let us start our friendship. We the fellows. Welcome, fellow fleeing felons, to this conclave of the Cinemania Society. Hang on, I don't have my gavel. Uh, clonk. And welcome to our listeners, to whom I will now issue this warning. We disciples of the Cinemania Society have studied the mysteries of the motion picture and meditated upon the silver screen for many years. Therefore, we have become inured to the films we scrutinize, which may contain hazards unsuitable to young and sensitive ears. As such, we advise anyone listening to do so with discretion. Guard your ears carefully, lest you develop a severe and irreversible case of... Cinemania. Present at our conclave tonight are... Sinquisitor Ethan, Keeper of the Lenses. Scrutinizer Zachariah, Guardian of the Door. Anti-Hope, previously known as Keeper of the Books. Professor Andrea, Scholar of San Francisco. Repositor Andre, voice from the outer world. <laughs> and Verifier Andy, Master Illuminator. I am Profligator Daniel, Possessor of the Word. I will be serving as Pontifex of Presentment for tonight's Subject of Scrutiny. All caps. Angel's Egg, a film from 1985 directed by anime visionary Mamoru Oshii. <laughs> anime? I was born in 1985. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Inquisitor Ethan will act as Master Castigator for this conclave. Inquisitor Ethan, take it away. Gladly. <clears throat> Charges against this film include illegal parking of giant space eyeball orbs, violence against giant eggs, contemplative navel-gazing in the first degree, lustful display of animated water surfaces, Lewd presentation of chicken fetuses. Should that be feti? Vicious and wanton padding of runtime. Attempting to pass off pan still frames as animation. Inducing depression and catatonia in protagonists. Inducing depression and catatonia in audience. Lack of dialogue. Lack of plot. Suspicion of ripping off Ian Miller backgrounds. Abuse of French Enlightenment-era architecture. Suspicion of serving as inspiration for M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Willful biblical misquotation for narrative purposes. Unlicensed use of a Christ figure. Reckless provocation of endless debates about theme and meta-narrative. Cruelty to giant prehistoric shadowfish. Unreasonable expectation that the audience has been dosed with psychoactive substances in quantities sufficient to actually enjoy the film, namely five dried grams of psilocybin minimum, neglecting to provide said psychoactive substances to the audience. Serious trigger warnings include violence, implied misogyny, implied suicide and child mortality, and minor body horror. Uh, thank you, Inquisitor Ethan. Now tell us, what's this angel's egg business all about? I think that list was longer than all of the dialogue in the entire movie. 
<laughs> Brother Zachariah, do you want to take the first go? I'll give it a shot. All right. Brace yourself because the original treatment for this film reads less like a movie and more like Kubrick designing a Rorschach test. First test, a first person subjective shot that contemplates a pair of hands, the way you look at them and when you've been ripping bongs all afternoon and you fused into a symbiotic life form with the couch. You ever look at your hands, man? Like, really look at your hands? I mean, they call them fingers, but I never see them fing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is even grosser because in the movie, they're like little baby hands. Oh, did they cast Trump? <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Second test. There's a chicken fetus and a transparent egg at the top of a giant tree. Oh, did they cast Trump? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Zach. Please continue. All right, all right, all right. There's something wrong with the sky, and the soundtrack is all spooky choral a la 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know the part where Dave has a bad acid trip while visiting the space-going chocolate bar? Ah, uh, monolith. I mean monolith. We were forced to look at this for a full 30 seconds before we go into an XCU extreme close-up on the eye of the giant chicken fetus as it twitches in its pre-birth slumber for another 20 seconds or so. That's right. You look at that chicken fetus in the eye. You look at it. You look at it. Third test. A pretty boy with a fancy military cape and loud hair stands in the middle of a prog rock album cover. He has a large T-shaped weapon slung over his shoulder. It is totally not a giant cross. Not at all. And the vehicle he exited is totally not a gigantic metallic steampunk dong. Not at all. He scans the horizon of a crimson sky in bored nonchalance. Give me a sky that red and I'll be a chalant as hell, man. He just doesn't have any chalance to spare at all. Uh, <laughs> he used I, it all up on his hair. I lost it in the war. <laughs> chalance is the first thing to go. <laughs> the first victim of war. Right. Behind him, mysterious machines reach for the sky. It's not that far out from one of Ian Miller's scorched backgrounds from Ralph Batchy's Wizards. But it'd make for an even gnarlier jazz fusion vinyl album sleeve that still stinks of weed and patchouli. Ah, oh, memories. That's what my dad smelled like. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Ah, uh, yes. Daddy. Co op I lived in. <laughs> Daddy issues. Ascent by Hope. Holy shit. Patchouli weed. Nuts humpa. <laughs> I was raised by hippies, oh, too. Not I, I get, just I memories. <laughs> memories of home. Fourth test. Are you seeing your mother yet? A giant spiky sphere with a massive stained glass eye descends from the sky like a Catholic unicorn. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a ta Transformers the movie reference, Zach. This is your favorite movie. Unicron. <laughs> what? Oh, you're a Catholic. I'm a 
like the Catholic <sighs> unit, right? <gasps> uni- That's the latest Bible. Like Catholic pony. unicorn is what you find when you're looking for a third. <laughs> 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 Ethan, that's what cracks me. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> uni- okay, unicron. I see it. Oh, I, I thought that it. was a typo. It's like a unicorn in a Catholic schoolgirl costume. The couple across the pews give you that one look. Over the sacramental wine. <laughs> <laughs> Watching you while you take communion. When the two of you go into the confessional booth together and the priest is down. Okay. Is down or goes down? Hey. Well, I mean, he's down to join you on the other side. あ、ふんやりしてる。ゴーズダウンのやつ。いや。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッケー。オッ
didn't know if I had the subtitled version or not for the first five minutes. So I watched the first five minutes and then someone finally speaks and I saw that I wasn't watching the subtitled ver the well, version. So my I'm problem like, is, <laughs> my problem was I assumed that it was silent, you know, at first. But so I wasn't sure how loud I had said it. So I cranked the volume way up. So let me tell you, my ears almost ruptured with, who are you? The first God. time. Oh my God. <laughs> And I was absolutely oh, fine because I know how to work things like volumes and subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> and you've watched this piece of shit. Before. Oh, show us the. Show I us mean, the, I did too. <laughs> show us the marvels of technology, oh master illuminator. It's like trying right. to teach your mum how to program a video. <laughs> a what now? All right. Your mum programs videos. <laughs> I worked at VCR once many moons ago. In a history museum? Yes. <laughs> Six minutes in, and we're only now just getting to the opening credits over this little girl's morning routine. She stuffs the front of her pink-on-pink candy-striped dress with the aforementioned massive egg and sets out across a landscape filled with grassy knolls and weird rock outcroppings. JFK anywhere nearby? More black, intimidating skyscapes and suitably sinister vegetation. I have to believe it really was not a coincidence that this made her look pregnant. I mean, there's there's symbolism and oh no no all caps meaning no, that is in this absolutely not a, a mistake. Okay, just, just double checking. Symbolism, right? Subtlety, subtlety. It's not oh, subtext no, if you put it in all caps. <laughs> she contemplates over all of this for another indeterminate time before filling a round bottom flask the size of her head, which she also contemplates. That's some good contemplating right there. Eventually she drinks the whole goddamn thing, which raises questions about the size of her bladder. There's a shriek and something rushes at her, but fooled you, nothing exciting is happening. Why would it? Must be something in the water. We're guessing a racehorse grade dose of ketamine? I have to say that's the nicest water bottle I've ever seen. True. It looks kind of like nice. a bee practical ever. It's called a boiling flask or a round Ooh. bottom flask. It's literally used in chemistry. Like, where the fuck is she finding like chem glassware? That shit's expensive. I learned oh, this from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Later on, you will see so much more. So much more. Oh, yeah. I bet in an abandoned like chemical weapons factory, since it's all post apocalyptic. This movie's so post apocalyptic, you'd think that I would have chosen it, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real. Yeah, where did Andre wander off to? Looking around at the pretty pictures, I think. I'll have a look. <laughs> Good doze. Nice doze. Hey, hey, what's the deal? You find something? It's so sad, yet so hopeful, yet totally a good boy. Why? This picture of a crying dog? Doge. Whatever. Kinda sucks. Shut your slutty mouth. You just can't appreciate the youth culture of doges, memes, and anime. <laughs> yeah, fine. Whatever. So it's a dog. So what? Doge? Look, it's simple. Good boy, 
Nice doge. Excellent meme. Much art. Wow. Right. Listen, it's not safe to go wandering off. You never know when more cinema assassins could be lurking about. <laughs> That's just a sheet draped over a Sibian mounted like a mechanical bull. Oh, yikes. Uh, well, we're supposed to be talking about this movie. Uh, it's an anime. Actually, it's a pretty important one. We wouldn't have the same anime culture today without it. And that would be a bad thing. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. You absolutely do not get it. Listen, All right. Listen. I, I grew up with a lot of anime. I watched um, Star Blazers, I think was the first thing that I ever watched, which was from Japan, originally Battleship Yamoto, I think, or Space Battleship Yamoto. And that was pretty awesome. There was also uh, Space Captain Harlock was another one. And then mm -hmm. like Robotech blew Don't me out of the water. Macross. And that Macross and Robotech are the same goddamn thing. No, they're not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Robotech was a combination of a bunch of different anime from Japan that they turned into the Robotech series. But the first series was actually Macross. That idiot back there did get that right. But that was the beginning of my experience to anime, and I guess this is from a similar period. Mm. Early, mid-80s, I mean. You can definitely see that in the style, yeah. Yeah, I guess the actual artist was very influential in the realm of video games. The whole, like, uh, villain with the white hair like Sephiroth in uh, the whole Final Fantasy series. He had a lot of influence on the character designs, I believe. But I don't get where that goes to like Mems and your dojis, doggies. Mems? I'm sorry? <laughs> Memes, whatever. Uh-huh. It's all a bit much for my Gen X mind to take. I just... I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah. I kind of instinctually go to whatever. But if you got, what's your take on this? My take? I mean, like, it's, I, I'm in a lot of anime adjacent media, but the, the closest I've ever done is Genshin Impact. Definitely got that 90s anime feel, which I, you know, admittedly, I haven't watched a whole lot of. Um, it's... Oh, gosh, I do think a lot of even though I haven't seen the whole thing, but like clips of Ghost in the Shell and like all of those fancy effects of the light bouncing around from, you know, not just water, but also other objects, the flowing hair, like flowing hair, hair physics. That's you're talking about the original Ghost in the Shell, not the Scarlett Johansson remake. Yes. Talking about the actual cartoon. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I can definitely see the influence, but I don't know. I just like, I mean, with imagery, like definitely, especially just the way the characters are designed reminds me a lot of just kind of like that. Uh, I want to say stoicism with all of with, especially with our friend with the definitely not cross strapped on his back. Oh, definitely not cross. <laughs> yeah. But you can definitely see like that uh, setup for the uh, pseudo fantasy genre for for anime. And speaking of pseudo fantasy, something like Genshin Impact, um, which was 
working on definitely had that same kind of mystic vibe. Like when I was voicing Half Dan and um, this, uh, I, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you've played the game, Zach. But... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. It's it's fine not to have taste, Zach. Um, <laughs> I, I found that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when voicing Half Dan, like there was just this scene where that was the only dialogue that he ever had, but there was this, uh, uh, especially with this particular scene dealing with death and the afterlife, that mysticism and all of those those light effects and just that tone uh, really comes through. And I know like everyone's like, oh, there's not a whole lot of dialogue. Um, neither did Half Dan have a lot of dialogue, but it's making it like count along right. with that ambiance and uh, reflections off of environmental uh, uh, elements. And you can see the influence p- pretty darn clearly. And I know everyone's like, oh, there's not a whole lot of dialogue. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Y'all are just uh, used to dialogue. I don't know. I got also rich coming from me being a voice actor, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, from a pop culture perspective, like if, if Mamoru Oshii is a guy who went on to make Ghost in the Shell, like as a science fiction nerd, that, that movie was pitched to me as, as like, if you like Blade Runner, you'll love this. And I definitely loved it. So if this film was, you might say, the egg in which Ghost in the Shell incubated. Don't, no, no, uh-uh. No, don't do that. Nope. Why? <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm starting to worry. Andre's been gone a while. Yeah, and... Oh, what's that? Oh, oh, no, 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 wait. That's just an ad break. My bad. Later, the girl crosses a bridge into that cute seaside French town. Now we are in a maze of twisty little passages, all alike. Unfortunately, there isn't a colossal cave nearby, nor are we on an adventure. No. Not Zorik either, huh? All right. No. No, we're somewhere that looks as if Bordeaux had been co-designed by Dr. Seuss and M.C. Escher. The girl gazes up into the windows of darkened houses and down into basement windows. Unfortunately, she's not been eaten by a Gru by this point in time. <laughs> this whole section is creepy as F yes. to me. Yes, absolutely. Can we just get her get her in eaten by a Gru so we can move on? Didn't they have to establish a minimum runtime? <laughs> yeah, to be a feature, it has to be a minimum of at least 65 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Knew it. I don't think Japan has the same issues with runtime. This is a kid who is presently winning staring contests with empty windows. Said contest is interrupted, however, by the screeching of horrific and very phallic war machines. A line of biomechanical tanks rolls past her down the street. Very Eventually one tanks. <laughs> Eventually mm. one comes to a stop, and it's the dude with the cape and the mysterious rifle thing. It's not a cross, and he's not Jesus, damn it. He hops out of the aforementioned steampunk dong. Allegedly. <laughs> dong tank. Allegedly. Allegedly. He may be pretty, but the tank itself festers with pulsing, veiny tubes moving with a life of their own. Dude hops, dude hops down. Yeah. Dude hops down. 
Dude hops down off the tank and engages in, what else? A staring contest with the girl until she flounces off to an alley and hunkers down with her pet egg. She eventually runs back out into more rotoscoped Bordeaux streets and eventually fucks off to a shop. Uh, probably a chemist's. A pharmacy for us Yanks. <laughs> she hunts about for food, but then comes upon another of those giant round flasks she seems so obsessed with. Jackpot, apparently. What is the thing with the goddamn flasks? I mean, oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, it's very yeah because there's no kind of symbolism with water. Symbolism. With yeah, water no, I get that and it's... Christ, you know. Oh, Why yeah. a flask? Symbolism, yeah, what is it? They're supposed to be egg-like or something? Oh, no, no, so... The no, no, no. glass testicle. So the egg is the egg. The, yes. the, the, the water is the amniotic sac. But the egg's not oh, in the water. Uh, anyway, terrifying imagery aside, she arrives at the world's <laughs> creepiest fountain, trademarked, made up of sinister Lovecraftian fish heads and sea monsters. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, it is surrounded by spectral figures of men in work togs, frozen in place, or maybe they're statues or memories? Ghosts? Surrounded by spectral figures of men in work togs is good. Mm. This place looks pretty French, so they could be <laughs> fucking mimes, trademarked. The girl <laughs> fills up her new prized flask with some water, and then she, wait for it, contemplates through the water-filled flask. Shock of shocks. Holy shit. More contemplation. I can't fucking wait. I hope I hope she doesn't drink it because, oh, fountain water can be kind of gross. Ooh, I was thinking the yeah. same thing. Finally, she seems to conclude that, yes, it's just more water. But is it, though? Oh, thank goodness. Anybody remember <laughs> that whole thing about the, the how the study of epidemiology began with cholera and yep. city fountains? Oh, they yeah. Had no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was yeah, everything from the communal water yeah. supply. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't stick your filthy hands in the communal water supply. Yeah, we have, uh, even as recently as the 1850s, people had still not learned not to shit where you drink. I mean, they had learned it, but then they forgot it. And then they learned it and forgot it again. Because we don't write shit down. Nah, I don't know if I'd say they had learned it. I just want to chime in about the tanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. What uh, about the tanks? Strangely... The thing that bothers me the most about those weird bug-shaped tanks is that they're driving sideways. Why do they do that? It's not that they're driving sideways. It's that the turrets are pointing sideways, uh, which is a yeah. thing that tanks do when they're driving so that they can move closer in together when they're moving in a column. Uh, and oh, then if they accidentally sense. fire, they don't shoot each other. <laughs> that too. Yeah, it's to suggest that they're going from one place to another, not like uh, ready for battle. Yeah. Cool. Got Tanks it. for the memories. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Bonk. All right. Um, Pretty Boy admonishes her to keep precious things inside you or you will lose them. This is probably metaphorical, but it sure feels creepy and vaguely menacing, like that sketchy cousin in the panel van. Pretty Boy follows her from a distance as she demands to know who he is. Reasonably so. She shouts at him not to follow her, but follow her he does. Explain himself, he does not, which does nothing to reduce the similarity to said cousin in the panel van. Well, well, wait, wait. Just, wait just one minute. What, what is that? You okay there, chief? The fuck is he off to? Uh, I'll go get him. Hold on a moment, guys. K. 
can't believe I didn't notice it before. It's so compact and rectilinear. It speaks of modernity and power, yet hints at the primal vulnerability of the darkness. It screams, let there be light, let fear be extinguished. Well, I, I mean, I guess. I never expected to find a piece so deeply transcendent in this place. I must have it! Hey, who's fucking ah. around with the light? Oh, shit! You realize it's just the fuse box, right? It's a metaphor! It's art! Do you even know what a metaphor is? Yeah, it's the horror beside a horror. Wait, no, hey, hang on. Let me tell you something about metaphorical representations right after it. And now we're in the dark again. Look, it's a simple story. Man versus nature. Man meets darkness. Man invents electricity to turn off the dark. Man is terrified of what he has become. Man's true nature for destruction and fear asserts itself. Man cannot resist tempting the gods one last time. Man undoes what he hath wrought. It's a tale as old as time. You talking about Sinquisitor Ethan? Oh, well, in that case, he's just a pompous nutter. Huh. I heard that. Oh, I'm not mad at all! Okay. As I was saying, um, I thought Naked Lunch was the pinnacle of nonsensical, self-indulgent stream of consciousness bullshit, but this movie tops it like a leather daddy at the Folsom Street Fair. I didn't think it was possible for there to be an animated feature with more of a vibe than an actual plot or a story than Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, but fucking leave it to Daniel to dredge up an exception that proves me wrong. You're welcome! (laughs) This film felt like a mushroom trip without the feeling of euphoria or the visions of geometric rainbows, just the intense degree of introspection you get when the trip peaks. Wait, no, actually, no, no, no. It's like being trapped watching someone else's mushroom trip and watching someone else experience paraidolia and apophenia, which paraidolia means imposing a sense of meaning on something that's otherwise a neutral or nebulous stimuli. Apophenia is seeing deep, meaningful connections between things that are actually totally unrelated. Anyway... Thank you, Webster's Dictionary. Continue. Okay, anyway, this is a movie I would watch on mushrooms for sure, but I would not watch this on acid. But yeah, I would like, I feel like you need to take mushrooms to actually enjoy this film, uh, which I, I could not take in a single second. Oh. Yeah, not recommended. Um, I I couldn't take it in a single sitting, despite its scant 71-minute runtime. I couldn't even take it in two sittings. This movie's only barely over an hour long, and it took me three sittings to get all the way through it. And yes, while I'm certain my brain has been remapped by short-form snackable media served through my smartphone christ i can barely read books anymore all i can i I can i can and do sit for feature films provided they're worth sitting for um i wouldn't be in the society if i couldn't sit for feature films uh which apparently are a dying art form or so gen z tells me andre (laughs) okay but if they are a dying art form this film probably should be the first one into the grave i don't know They'll be the first against the wall when the revolution comes. Yes. Yeah, but maybe we can leave the theatrics and electrics alone and get back to the business at hand. If we must. A bell tolls, and the girl runs off again into the cityscape. We catch up with our girl hunkered in an alley, licking purloin jam off her fingers and drinking from her flask as she contemplates the meaning of her jammy fingers. Want to know what jammy fingers mean? They mean you need a fucking spoon. Use a goddamn spoon, kid, I'm telling you. 
<sighs> We're 22 minutes into a movie with a 71-minute runtime, and this is what's happening. I want to mention that if you have misophonia, this is not the film for you. Because I had to mute it at that scene. I was getting icked out. I was about to puke. Oh, oh, I was about to ask, what is misophonia? It's when you get really seriously grossly out, grossed out by noises. Like, you can't stand hearing people chew. By the sound of people eating. Uh, yeah. It's not just people eating, but it's mostly yeah, I have people that eating. Too. I, I make my husband leave the room. A lot. No, <laughs> like, I have the same problem. <laughs> insists on chewing with her fucking mouth open. And, and like, <laughs> I, I have had moments where, like, I've been driven to madness because of it. Yeah. Anyway. Your daddy loves you. <laughs> just doesn't love when you Jeez. eat pizza. So oh, my God, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Biomechanical penis tanks are a thing, but spoon technology is sadly neglected in this apocalyptic realm of meaningfulness. I know the tick would be offended. <laughs> Spoons are just not symbolic enough, I guess. You tell that to the fucking tick. Spoon. <laughs> I no. meant for this movie. I didn't mean in general. I mean in general. I'm talking about the tick. He knows the significance of the spoon. That's his goddamn battle cry. Let spirit, chum. You need something more like The thing spoon. you have to remember is there is no spoon. spoon. Oh, <laughs> not, if you don't, not if you ask the goddamn tick. I have really, a purse really spoon that, that I take everywhere so I don't have to use plasticware. I'm saving the earth. Oh, dear huh. God. I hope you wash that regularly. Yes, I do. Every time I use it. With spit right, and a napkin. Spoons. We're done with spoons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Don't tell Iggy Pop. But wait, this is where it gets interesting. The girl lays her egg down on a blanket and climbs back up to the street to creep on the pretty boy as he contemplates something. It's not like he's been given much else to work with, but surprise, he's ready for her and somehow he's got her egg. My word. Dear Lord, don't look at us like that. We're 22 minutes into a movie with a 71-minute runtime, and this is the best we've got for excitement. Well, it's a real piece of slight of egg he pulls there. <laughs> slight of egg. She snatches the egg back and is about to fuck right back off again when he asks her what she thinks is in the egg. When she refuses to tell him, he suggests breaking it open to find out. Oh, what's in the egg? Come oh. on, what's in the egg? <laughs> it's like the end of seven. Yeah. Just, you didn't have to explain oh, it. We knew where you were going with that. Brad Pitt's wife's head. <sighs> That's not what it was. Are you sure? No, could you imagine having would you could you imagine having to stare at that for thirty seconds straight? It wasn't it wasn't but, her head. But I mean, imagine oh, what's yes. actually in Gwyneth Paltrow's head right it wasn't? now. It's probably worse than whatever's in Oh, was a dick in have a you, box. Have you seen have you seen Goop? The shit in her head cannot be any crazier than the shit in this movie. No, no, no! It not actually. You can you can tell there's there's <laughs> shots of a little bit of her hair and such. It's, it's her head. But uh, let me see. This goes over about as well as you can expect. And now she well and truly fucks off into some crazy ruins like a Byzantine palace designed by Hieronymus Bosch, only Frenchier. Pretty boy possible? follows her from a distance as she demands to know who he is. Reasonably so. She shouts at him not to follow her, but follow her he does. Explain himself, he does not. Consent be damned. <sighs> Which does nothing to reduce the similarity to said cousin in the panel van. Eventually, 
she stops to take another drink from her precious crappy Erlenmeyer flask. She offers him a drink, but he declines. Can't say as I blame him, she's staring at him like she just chugged back a pint of raw ether, which is to say like a drunk in an early Irish novel. Hey, will you be staring at my egg? Do you want to fight, <laughs> you bastard? With your cross and your great hair. It's all about efficiency, man. Just gotta get drunk as quickly and efficiently as possible. I... I had to throw in a Hunter Thompson reference somewhere. <laughs> Real. Hey, did you guys hear something? Like, the ominous sounds of shadow people silently gathering to silently do, like, bad, silent shit? Oh crap, not you too. Mm, look out! Mm, is that a knife? What? Where? In his chest! Mm, what? Oh, oh dear. That sounded too loud. Oh grief. I take it back. I take it back. Where's it all coming from? Over there, by that extremely significant trademark looking water fountain. No, no, behind the consequential trademark coffee bar. Don't they have to run out of knives at some point? They, they look more like spikes. Symbolic spikes. Trademark. Wait. Stop thinking, man, and get in the fight. Up there on the meaningful mezzanine. Trademark. My fellow picture visionists, ask not what your society can do for you, but what you can do for your society. This great chapter will endure as it has endured. We'll tribune and we'll pontificate. The only thing we have to fear is fear! Fear and surprise. Right, and this Inquisition. I, what the fuck? I am a Inquisitor. Come get some! We shall defend our society, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight them on the exposition. We shall fight on the plot books. We shall fight among the protagonists and the cameos. We shall fight in the climax and the end credits. We shall never surrender. I'm, I'm not sure that's gonna work. Uh, they seem more figurative than figures. Made of subtext. It doesn't mean. It do. It do mean. These are no normal beings of flesh and blood. These are metaphorsers. They are far too meaningful and vague to be fought with conventional weapons. But I love conventional weapons. What are we supposed to do? How about we leg it? Motion carried. We'll meet in the Hall of Vases past the tapestry ring. But but if we head that way, won't we miss the antique brassware mezzanine? Fuck the antique brassware mezzanine. Sentence I wasn't expecting to hear today. But but what about? I I can take care of themselves. Oh, right. Uh, and scrutinizer Zachariah. Run, run! 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 Wait for me! Fuck you! Zach? Daniel? Is anyone here? I'm here! I'm here! Anybody at all? My standards are low, but not, I hasten to add, non-existent. You know this is all their fault. Oh, 100%. How do we let them talk us into these asinine situations? It's not like they ever listen to me. Right? What's the whole deal with this High Council anyway? Why are they after us? It's a long story. Wait, do you hear that? What? Footsteps. 
soon-to-be-dead footsteps. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go rage mode... Anyway, if you look over here at this part, I think what it means... Oh, this way. I think I heard Ethan. Hurrah! Oh! And Brother Methuselah. Hurrah. More like he found me. Staring at some floor tile. It was a very intricate pattern, see? With these interesting splotches of red mixed in. What I really like about it is... uh, Look, look here. How you have this bony lion coming up out of the bottom left corner. It's small relative to the giant egg that dominates this piece, but it is a clear metaphor for how the consumer is actually an insignificant speck relative to the thing it is trying to consume in our grotesque, late capitalist society where medium is the message. No, 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 no. Are you blind? It's not a lion. It's a goddamn angel. Look, it's got wings and everything. This is clearly a metaphor for God. I'm pretty sure that's a ketchup stain. Damn, a dead end. Relax, everyone. I got the door. <laughs> hey, guys. Fuck. <laughs> all right, all right. It's all quiet. I think we're safe in here. On with the conclave. Fuck! All right. It begins to rain in rotoscoped Bordeaux, and those creepy frozen workmen from before come to life. They run past wielding long, rope-wrapped harpoons, chasing the shadows of massive fish. Looks like... A coelacanth to me, swimming across the faces of buildings, the road, everywhere. The men chuck their harpoons, but of course, they pass right through. Leave it to this film to make even the most exciting scene. Till now, a total blue ball special. Man the harpoons, it's a completely harmless shadow fish. Uh, yeah, let's, I mean, again, still trying to figure out why the coelacanth? You know, like, are they supposed to, they're clearly supposed to be whalers. I mean, you hunt whales with harpoons, you don't hunt coelacanth. They don't grow that big either. I I mean, they were probably just discovered around the same time he was writing this, so maybe he was just like, hey, They find, well, yeah, I guess everybody was still wowed about the fact that they found this prehistoric fish ancestor that people were like, look, it has fins that are kind of like limbs. Maybe this was the thing that walked on Earth the first time. Right, and they're meant to be like a callback to, you know, biblical times, and like this is an ancient creature that was just a memory and so forth. So he's like, "Hey, let's get a really old fucking fish." Because you know the Bible is really good at resolving issues with fossils. <laughs> <laughs> Resolving right. them with harpoons. Right, right. Also, harpoons not phallic at all. Oh Speaking no! Satan placed fossils in order to dissuade people from believing in the Bible. They were they were put there by Satan. Speaking of which, they smash a bunch of windows and lamps as they chuck their harpoons around. It's all very meaningful and saying something. Probably fuck coelacanth stay in the Devonian era, you bastard protofish. Yeah. Yeah. Bells ring out in the distance, but Pretty Boy and the girl have fucked off into the wilderness and away from post-apocalyptic Bordeaux. As they move across the windy grassland full of rocks, girl turns to dude and insists he promised not to do anything to her egg. Okay. Presumably this is hours or days after having met him, but now is the time she decides to set that boundary. Better late than never, I guess. To be fair, after five minutes in this place, I would want to smash the shit out of something to just drown out the deafening, endless silence. He looks at her with seeming contempt. He's going to do something to that egg, just watch. This is why you can never trust close-up magic performers. They come to a cave that looks like it should be infested by xenomorphs. Yeah, yeah, really. Oh yeah, no, those are those are some top shelf xenomorphic 
uh, <laughs> facades to this cave. Which Listen, is... rotoscoped apocalyptic Bordeaux has a high dollar value. <laughs> right? Which uh, would be a welcome change of pace, to be honest. If it was infested with xenomorphs, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then you'd have to nuke the movie from orbit. It's the only way to <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do that anyway, just to be sure. It's the only way you can be sure. So anyway, so she stands up on the vertebrae of some vast beast, and they look at a huge, organic-looking boss relief of a tree on the wall. He says he's seen something like it a long time ago, a huge, life-sucking tree that swelled into a black sky holding a giant egg with a giant bird sleeping in it. Okay, the girl wants to know what happened to the bird. But uh, Pretty Boy here says it's still there and dreaming. So on that tweet. On that tweet, uh, the girl wants to know what the bird's dreaming about. But dude wants to know what's in the egg. The whole conversation is pretty egg-centric. I'm ashamed of myself. One thing's for sure, Cthulhu this ain't. I mean, like they get the, uh, what is the giant sphere supposed to be Cthulhu? Or is the giant sphere supposed to be the egg grown to full maturity? Or anyway, there needs to be more Cthulhu in this, like given all of the the giant depth, uh, you know, imagery and things rising from the deep and post-apocalypticism, there needs to be fucking Cthulhu something around. Well, you want Cthulhu in everything. Yes. I mean, like you watch the truth about cats and dogs and you want Cthulhu in that. (laughs) I mean, you know what they say, what has fallen asleep while watching endless art house cinema can never truly die. I think uh, there needed to be more Cthulhu and eat, pray, love. <laughs> eat, eat the world, pray, love. <laughs> no, there needed to be Cthulhu and uh, love, actually. <laughs> Wasn't that Bill Nighy? No, that was Hugh Grant. No, no, no. But I'm saying uh, Cthulhu in that movie was Bill Nighy. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, okay, so... Elsewhere, elsewhen, they ascend a spiral staircase that is absolutely lined with more water-filled flasks and decorated with the bones of vast creatures. There's loads more H.R. Geiger-esque wall decor, I'm telling you. Girl sets down her flask at the end of a long, long line of them, which finally explains her obsession. I guess she's been at this whole flask-filling, collecting thing for a good long while. Glassware and harpoons, that's what Bordeaux is known for. It's like Heisenberg from Breaking Bad just like left all his detritus around. Pretty Boy wants to know if she's been here as many days as Bottles. We feel like we've been here that long. He says he's forgotten where he's from, but admits he might never have known at all. She wants to know if he'll be going away. Tired out from all that talk, I mean, we're talking a solid 10 or 11 lines of dialogue between them, that's a lot. They uh, switch back to contemplating the rain some more. A lot of meaningless dialogue. Good contemplating going on right there. Some real solid contemplating. Yeah, yeah, no, like gold star. Uh, Eventually, the pretty boy gets his wind back and recounts the story of the flood in Genesis. You know, the one about God's wrath and regret of creation when he brought the rains. Not just down in Africa, but on everything, everywhere, all at once. But this is the early version, the depressing one that didn't test well with audiences. (laughs) Instead, the doves Noah sent out to test for land never came back. The people waited and waited, just growing up and living on the ark for years and years. With what food and water is clearly not important to this story. But eventually, so much time passed, everyone forgot about the doves and the flood and the world they came from entirely. 
Also, all the animals on the Ark turned to stone, which is just fucking wild. I don't remember anything about flesh to stone in the Bible, like no Medusa action whatsoever. Oh, no, no. I mean, there was not. He he He's making it up himself to fit his imagery. But um, but no, I think the deviation is is intentional. Um, yeah, improv- but, improvising on the Bible, just like I'm DIY uh, Zen koans. Anyhow, Pretty Boy says it was so long ago, he can't remember where and when he saw the giant bird fetus and life-sucking tree. He and everyone else who survived have been drifting around on that giant spherical unicron arc with its millions of petrified people and animals for so long that he suspects oh. it may have, yeah, have all been a dream. Like the fish shadows the fishermen uh-huh. specters were chasing, uh-huh. really just the lingering memories of a dead person. Or maybe nobody exists and it's just raining outside. It can't be that simple. You think that's a head scratcher? I'm still trying to figure out if I'm too stoned or not stoned enough for this shit. Not stoned enough by by far. Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. Like, I think this is all really, really intentional. No, I think, honestly, this is one of those movies that you really have to, like, you really do have to be on mushrooms to get the full effect of it. It's like you don't understand why Pink Floyd sounds the way it sounds like until you're on a good dose of mushrooms. And then you're like, I get it. Oh, I get it. Okay, cool. This is why this is the way it is. All right. Okay. Yeah. This is my third time around on the film. I watched a couple of times in college and generally around there. And then for this, um, I was sober for every single one. Stone Hmm. sober. But I have an English degree, which basically means I'm stoned all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Mine at last. Oh, yes. I shall protect you. Uh... What you got there, buddy? Hmm? What? No, this? Oh, don't worry about it. Stop questioning me. How dare you? Look over there. Convenient distraction. You see nothing. Is that... Is that an egg? What would you say if I said it was, indeed, an egg? Well, unless you laid it yourself, I suppose I'd get over the shock. I found it on a plinth. It's mine now. Look at the perfect curviness, the absolute egginess, the symmetry, the divine roundy pointy bit. Uh, it's a very significant egg, I guess. It is. It is a significant egg, and I shall guard it from your jealous eyes. Stop eyeing so jealously. Oh, come on. It's just an egg. Who cares? Why is an egg so significant anyway? Why is an egg so sig- Why is anything so significant? In fact, Let me tell you something. I need to take you back to, let's say, the 1920s in the Soviet Union, where cinema was just starting to be developed as an art form. There was a director, possibly one of the first real directors to ever exist, called Lev Kuleshov. Now, he was the, the, the teacher of Eisenstein. He developed film theory. He developed the idea of there being a film theory. And he came up with something that was later called the Kuleshov effect. Let me describe it to you. I show you a picture of, oh, let's say, a beautiful hot dinner, and then a picture of a happy-looking family. Now, putting them next to each mm-hmm. other makes you think of plenty and good times and everyone getting lots to eat. Now I show you that same picture of a dinner. Then I show you a picture of a starving peasant. Putting them next to each other suddenly creates an image of injustice, hunger, poverty. 
The thing is, when you put things next to each other, the context actually creates meaning. Kuleshov discovered this, and it later became the basis of Soviet montage cinema. You create context by putting things next to each other and creating meaning out of it. In Angel's Egg, there are all these images. They're images we've all seen before from Judeo-Christian imagery. The egg, the man with a cross, the wounded hands, water, carrying water, heaven, earth, angels, statues, evolution, the flood, the fish. These are all images that, when put together into a narrative, create what we think of as the Judean Christian mythos. What Mamoru Oshi has done is taken these, snipped them apart, and put them next to each other in a kind of mental Kuleshov effect to create a new context and a new meaning. That's why there are all these ideas of, of faith that we all recognize, but they're out of order. They're put in mm -hmm. different ways together, and so they're creating a completely new meaning in the eyes of the audience. It's all done to create a new mood, a new kind of significance. Now, this means that, in my opinion, this is not, in fact, a film about faith at all. This is an artistic response to faith. It's taking the ideas and the images, cutting them up and creating a montage out of them to create a totally new thing. And so if you look for an exploration of faith, you won't find one because all of the ideas are in the wrong order and in the wrong places, but they're creating a new context with each other. So the mood of the thing is kind of faith-based, but it's totally new. It's a Kuleshov effect. That's why the egg is significant. Eh? Um. Anyway, that's how I see it. And hey, where did it go? Hmm? Hope. Hmm. What? What's in the sandwich, Hope? Ah. Uh. You better not. It's. <laughs> it's an enigma. Hmm. One of those things, you know. Embrace the mystery. It's not a mystery. You did that on purpose. Look, it's simple. God meets man. God gives man egg. Man tries to eat egg. Man gets ketchup on color. I hate you. Let's just get on with it. Bathroom break. How old was that egg you ate? <laughs> That'll teach you. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. A library card? Seriously? He just wanted to make an old video game reference. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. I'll go with you. Thanks. I really just needed a break. Oh, hey, look at this. Is that an actual painting? Yeah, of a library. It, it kind of reminds me of... Of... Your bookshop. My... My bookshop. Well, at least this makes sense. Unlike everything in that fucking movie. What was the deal with her putting the egg under her dress all the time? Isn't there a better way to carry an egg? Ironically, when I first saw the film, I thought she was pregnant until she took it out from under her dress. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, an egg. I mean, that, that can't have been an accident that she looked pregnant carrying the egg around. There's so much um, parallel between 
this this faith that she has and that she wants to protect the egg but she doesn't when he asked if she if she wanted to know what's inside she said no like she wasn't ready mm-hmm. to see what's inside and that's you can draw a lot of parallels between that and actual you know human pregnancy you know I've been there and I remember there's only so much you can know and so much you can see you have to have a lot of faith in what the outcome is going to be and as much as you do want to see what's in there you also don't because while they're in there they're safe and they're protected and they want for nothing and they need nothing you know everything is provided instantly and they're comfortable and as soon as they're out it's so much more effort to keep them safe and keep them comfortable and they're in this big scary world so as much as you want to see what's in there and you want to know, at the same time, you want to keep it in, you know, keep everything there and keep them safe. And I wonder if the, the creators of this movie thought, I mean, I'm sure they thought some of that. There's this, it's a, um, a juxtaposition. You want to see them and know them, but you also want to keep them in there and keep them safe. You know, she doesn't want to open the egg because it's not, because it's everything in there is safe. And once you open it, it's... It's, there's so much more you have to do to keep it alive. So like, it's kind of the same as like blind faith. Like you can be, you can have blind faith in something and you don't have to confront any facts and you can just believe it. But as soon as it's like, there's a lot of Christian symbolism in here and people have faith and they believe, you know, in Christ and God and whatever. But if they were actually, if they actually met God or they met Jesus, then they'd have to confront, well, is this person real? Are they not? You know what I mean? As long as it's in that egg and it's in this neat little hypothetical package and it's all um, theoretical and, you know, it's all philosophical, it's easier to deal with. As soon as it becomes real, it's a lot harder to deal with. They're like physical and tangible. That faith is harder to have. But surprisingly, in the film, she thinks she knows what is in that egg because she shows us the skeleton on the wall of the, like, Mm -hmm. angel bird so like in faith you know there's people that they know what happened in the past or they have their biblical their religious texts right that tell them what happened or what will happen so they that's what they believe is going to happen as much as they they don't want to confront it themselves they feel like someone else has already confronted it or someone else will confront it in the future so as long as it's there then it's okay the same with pregnancy like you've seen other people have babies you've seen people grow up so you know what's supposed to happen you know, you're not ready to for that baby to be out and to see what's going to happen in your particular situation, but you have ideas and you have a you have an idea of what's going to happen and you have a you have a plan, you know, and you have evidence from what's already happened. But then once you're actually in it, it's totally different than you think. <laughs> they hand you this I'm tiny sure. human being and they're like, "Okay, go home. Take care of a human being which you've never done before. Good luck." Mine were both mine were both easy and mellow and no health problems. The second one had a little jaundice, but nothing serious. But I damn near died after the second one. I just wouldn't stop bleeding. So for like three days, they're like, watch me. You're still really pale. Is that an analogy? Well, yeah, when she cracked open the egg, you know, and what? She didn't crack it open. That oh, yeah, sorry. Dude once it was cracked open. it open. Yeah, I guess, it's, and it's not really a choice, will. right? Like in pregnancy, it's not your choice. There are probably women if they had to choose to end like to be give birth like they would just never have the baby they would just stay pregnant you know it's one of those things that has to happen you don't really get a choice so i think that's actually kind of a good metaphor where he broke it up for her she didn't get the choice you don't get to be ready or choose 
unless you're, you know, doing induction or whatever. But you know what I mean? It just happens naturally. And you're not in charge. You don't get to say, oh, I'm ready or I'm not ready or wait around. And then so the baby's, the, the egg is open and it's out. And she's got to chase after it. She's got to catch up and be where everything is, whether she's ready or not. You know, whether you feel like you're ready for this or not, that baby's coming. Maybe that's an analogy for postpartum psychosis. I don't know. I thought that he killed the egg and that's why she was so upset. He's just a dick. No, um, I, I think he was forcing her. And then he leaves. Like, they, it had to be opened eventually. He couldn't stay in there forever. And she was never going to be ready to open it. But she couldn't be the one to decide when to open it. She couldn't be the one to decide when it was ready. So he had to kind of push her along. We don't know how long the egg has been an egg. No, That's, we don't. It could have been days. It could have been weeks. It could have been years. We just don't know. Honestly, if you look at pretty much any sci-fi, the main hero, if it's a man, is either Moses, Jesus, or Adam. And the main heroine is always Mary. It always comes back to that. You can, you can make that analogy to almost anything. We better get back before they get themselves killed. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, what the fuck is that? Oh, the roaches in the spice are huge. Wait, wait, that's not a, a, a Clark Nova. <laughs> How did you find oh. us? I oh, we left that giant mutant cockroach typewriter behind. How long have you been here? I like to lurk in corners. Were you listening to us this whole time? Well, between us, Giles. Yeah. What did you hear? Hey, I'm a mutant insect typewriter. I record everything. That's troubling. So, Ed, huh? You know, this reminds me of when I disgorged my first clutch. They were covered in oil and bobbing around. Black and blue and green all over the place. I must have had about 500 of them. I only ate a couple, I swear. Wait, you can lay eggs? I thought you were a male. Up the walls. Oh. I feed them the black meat. Oh, Andrew, let's go. Let's yeah, go. Let's Come get on. out of here. Let's go. Oh. Oh. Wait, no. Come back. I have such things to tell you. No one ever listens to the type right Hold everything. I thought I heard something. Brother Zachariah. Hmm? What? Aren't you on watch? Uh, look at this piece, man. The letters that once glowed, the arrow, it points to the left. But you can tell from the subtle curve that if you really followed it, it would lead you in a circle back to where you started. See, this is art. It represents the impossibility of escaping the dharmic cycle of life. All life ends in death, and death makes way for new life. Figures, you'd be obsessed with the fire exit. <laughs> yeah, would you look at that? The door. Have you been watching the door? Apparently, yes. Look, it's right here. I can't help but wonder if it would have done us more good if you'd left it standing in the doorway. And I can't help but wonder if you should leave this stuff to the expert. Uh, too late! Too late! The, uh, the metaphorcers! Man's inhumanity demands 
Ah, it's like fighting shadows or battling phantoms or, you know, having a Donnybrook with spectres. Take two of these and see me in hell, bitch! Does anyone else feel like this whole battle has been kind of a metaphor about, about violence and conflict being useless or something? That's exactly the kind of attitude I'd expect from someone without a flamethrower. Oh, too steep! You know, like how we're fighting a bunch of convenient shadowy figures, but not really achieving anything. It's metaphorical. It's definitely meta. So what's a metaphor? Ah, eat bear chopped, you bastard. Or at least quasi-meta. Sanctuary! We need sanctuary! <laughs> Hold on one second. I've been dying to try this out. Holy shit! Does, did it work? You blew straight through the wall, and there's a glowing crater the size of a dumpster in the next building. What even was that? It's a portable wave motion laser eyebrow trimmer. Aw, I want one of those. How come you get one of those? <laughs> I'm from space, old man. Did you bring enough for everyone? Uh, no, Professor. Shit, that barely slowed him down. They're flanking us. They're so deep and meaningful. So textured and layered. So ironic and yet so pertinent. Pertinent? They can be pertinent. That's a thing. <laughs> what are we going to do now, fellow geniuses? Genii? Uh, Geniosos? Uh, hang on a second. I just need to get the pilot light going on my flamethrower. Wait! We can't solve this with violence. We have to look at the deeper underlying struggle. To err is human, but to be human is no error. What the fuck? What is he doing? He's starting to believe. He's an idiot. If you want to hunt like a pack, you must first pack for the hunt. I've read about this. I think he's using the dialectical approach. Is it actually working? I think so. Revenge. Discrete. Less feeling. That... that actually makes sense. Get a hold of yourself, man. It's the metaphors. They're in your brain. Crap, they're regrouping. Try changing it up. Uh, all right, okay. A cold heart can warm itself by the fire of companionship with a nice steaming cup of familiar faces. Oh, imagery, I get it. When you Nice try, but you're nothing but a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, but signifying nothing. I guess that's one way to put an English degree to use. You work that crippling student debt, baby. Oh, I get it. It's a metaphor. You don't get it at all. That's the best part. 
You don't have to get it when it's all just a metaphor. Ah, deep. Oh shit, they've got a point. What? Are you okay? We don't even have a chapter house anymore. The easiest lies to swallow are your own. You guys know I don't actually talk to demons, right? At least, not regularly. Oh shit, we're losing him. Can anyone else fight them off? Don't look at me. I can't just believe in whatever nonsense I make up. Oh, please. One step? I can do that. I've been working out. No! Stop him! I've got him! Profligator Daniel, get your head in the game! Can I even call myself a writer? You help write this bloody script. We've had to put up with that creepy bug typewriter ever since you made it a running gag. Oh, yeah. Clark Nova. Two wrongs don't make a right, but three rights make a left in New Jersey. Danny boy, you can do it. Do or do not. There is no try. The rest is silent. Thank fucking Christ. No more no Christ, Christ, figures. Christ figures. Shit, okay. Bloody hell. Even though it was a complicated mess of conflicted imagery and overwrought ideas, the whole thing sort of came together in the end. Now you're just being meta. And that's what a meta metaphor's for. Well, you got me there. What's a meta for you? <sighs> Ooh, nothing. Nothing serious. I'm just wiped. They're gone, though. We're safe. Once again, we win? I guess? All I'm saying is, we could have given violence a chance. Where in the hell are all these guys coming from? They're not using doors like civilized people, I can tell you that. Just keep firing! Get some! Incoming! Think they just died? Let's take the wind and not ask questions. Come on, we're nearly finished. Anyway, the girl snuggles her egg and insists that the bird is real. She leads him upstairs to the fossilized skeleton of a massive winged humanoid. Ah, we get it now. Of course we do. What do do we get? I don't get it. We get nothing. Evidently, this is the angel from the title. Even if it's clear that the illustrator just adapted that Archaeopteryx fossil everyone's been so wowed about for decades. But the girl has a bold plan for this petrified angel. She's going to keep incubating her egg and put it back, and then the bird will return. Do we care? Yeah. You yeah. gotta have a hobby. I think that's how eggs work. Mm, well, Pop Rorschach queers hotshot. A wide shot of a Noah's Ark-like object silhouetted against the sky and propped up with timbers all around. What do you see? An, um, uh, a metaphor? Your mom? A metaphor for sex. <laughs> Meaningful things going on all around. Anyway, girl and pretty boy sit by a fire. 
He asks if she hears something, since her face is pressed up against the egg. She insists she can hear soft breathing and the sound of wings. Hallucination. <laughs> and that the time is soon. She don't hear shit. So pretty boy ought to stick around and see it. Besides, it's warm and dry. But the dude looks like he's thinking about making the world's biggest omelette. When she falls asleep, he gallantly carries her to bed. I've always wondered, where did this nice bed come from in this post-apocalyptic world? It's If you're really going to start comfy. asking where things come from, that will never end. That <laughs> rabbit hole is deep. He, he, this this creeped me out. I don't know if there's this is intentionally creeping me, creeping people up, but it gave me the creeps. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah. I, I still, at this point, wasn't 100% sure if she was supposed to be a child or an infantilized woman, and... And was he supposed to be a father figure or a love interest? And I wasn't sure where it was going. Speaking of deep themes in anime, you've just hit another one. You could go down that deep rabbit hole for a long, long time. Before I realized he was Jesus. <laughs> yeah, because if you notice, when he picks her up, his hands are bandaged. He's got a cross. He's got bandaged hands, you know, taking care of kids. It's imagery. But here comes the rain again, falling on our heads like a memory, flooding our canals like a new emotion. Post-Apoc Bordeaux sure is getting a lot of rain, but the ghostly harpooners have returned to their original statue-like state. Surely that's so, a metaphor for something, but, you know. Yeah, I was just kind of th thinking of the whole, like, fish metaphor and, uh, and you know, what it was, it Jonah and the whale and stuff like it's that? It's clearly a metaphor for the deindustrialization of seafaring coastal communities in the late 80s. Come on! I figured this was just an, an, an giving people a reminder that they need to be stoned to enjoy this movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I had the unfortunate uh, experience of watching it completely sober on a bus on my phone. Well, Pretty boy stands a vigil over a sleeping girl in their glassware-strewn lair like shitty Batman. Eventually, after more than two full minutes of this still life, he sneaks the egg from the sleeping girl. That's that's like when your child has fallen asleep. You wait you wait a full two or three minutes to make sure they're really asleep before you take something. Or put no, no let me make a point. This is a 71-minute film. And they give us a two full minute long still life. Still life. And what is supposed to be a motion picture. It's not completely still. The fire is uh, moving a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's true. You're right. The fire is jumping. And then the, the motionless picture. A, the dawn breaks at, during the last few frames. But yeah, it's. Uh, you interrupted the best part, the only action sequence. Please, Andy, finish. <laughs> what does he do with the cross and the egg? He sneaks the egg from the sleeping girl, lays it on the ground, and smashes it with the butt of his cross. I mean weapon. No, seriously, it's a fucking cross. Never saw that coming. What did we tell you about trusting strange Christ figures, kiddo? So, let me get this straight. She has an egg. She hears the divine inside it. And here comes religion, Christianity, and destroys it. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's about mm. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of right on, or hitting the nail on the head there, hitting right? Hitting the nail on the palm, yeah. Is he destroying it or merely transforming it? He's opening it to release what's inside. Maybe he's not completely destroying it. He's transforming it into something else, like a new religion. I don't know. Well, Maybe definitely... she's losing her religion. So, like Shiva, creation through destruction. Yeah. Well, like in Christianity, Christ had to die, right? That reminds me of a joke. What did the carpenter say at the crucifixion? What did the carpenter say at the crucifixion? I would have hung that on three points. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, hey, ow, ow, let me down. Ow, ow, ow. 
no, no, that's what did the other carpenter say at the crucifixion? <laughs> ah! 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 <laughs> the only thing that she asked this guy to do, literally the whole film, was not to hurt her egg. And there's not a lot of dialogue. And what, well, what does what he if do? He's not hurting it. Like he smashes it. He smashes the the shell. We don't know that he destroys what's inside of it. Like, what if it's not destruction completely? It's. We do have a sort of Marcellus Wallace uh, briefcase situation where we never actually get to see what's inside the fucking egg. Ah, what's in the egg? <laughs> what's in the egg? Just, just be cool, honey bunny. I'll tell you what's cool. in the egg, Butch. That's pride. <laughs> that, was, that was nice. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of destruction, the city outside is now flooding, and the statues, or ghosts, or whatever they are, are up to their chins. Over this montage, we see the waters up to the eaves of the building, so maybe God's pissed about the egg getting smashed. Dude's on the roof by himself, just hearing the girl ask him who he is. Maybe he's the Eggman. goo 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 -goo. (laughs) Maybe he's the walrus. The girl wakes up the next morning, just like the first time we saw her. No, seriously, they must have been running out of money and reused the exact same frames. She finds the remains of the shell on the floor and contemplates the fragments dully for a moment before she breaks into sobs and screams we can hear from deep within the Geiger-esque ruins. Hello, I am H.R. Giger. It stands for, hey, <laughs> really Giger. <laughs> it's a quote from my one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> The Cinemania Society? Uh, that too, but mm. I was talking about um, <laughs> Super Ego. She runs out of the Xenomorph Cavern, and now we see the life-sucking tree with a giant bird egg looming over the building like a body horror Yggdrasil. She flings herself off a cliff and into a deep ravine. A grown-up version of herself is reflected in the water below and rises up to meet her as she hits the drink. The now woman clutches at the absent place where the egg was as she drowns, bubbles rising to the surface, each becoming an egg as it breaks the surface. Now, if you thought that was bad news, turns out there are already several more fully grown trees holding up eggs. Uh, I, I just wanted to note that that uh, this is one of the few times I feel like they actually show um, they, they, they show a woman in anime as opposed to, an in, you know, basically an infantilized woman, you know? I don't know. That's one of the things that frustrates me about anime is I don't feel like they show women as I don't know what anime you're watching. (laughs) Just because they have boobs doesn't mean they're not infantilized. Yep. It's called hentai and it's art. (laughs) (laughs) I think you watched Legend of the Overfiend one too many times, Zach. Oh, I agree. We see a high-angle overhead shot of Dude as he walks up to the sea. Only now, the grasslands are covered in white feathers, and the wind whips them all around him. The weird, sleepy-eyed, shrieking cathedral sphere with all the statues rises from the deep. The ensuing tsunami almost carries him away. We see that among the statues now is featured a statue of the little girl, haloed and clutching her pet egg. See, she's gone to heaven. It's all good. Uh, oh. oh shit! Okay. I don't. Know. I think this is a whole metaphor about how she had to crack the egg and see what was in it, and you know. All right, I just got something. So, the rising thing—that's heaven with all the statues there. All the statues that fight the shadowfish and stuff of the fishermen. 
That must be hell. <laughs> no, it's Howl's moving heaven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, I guess Dude realizes as he contemplates this that he's fucked. Or maybe it's a job well done. Either way, it's going to be a long wait for the next bioorganic dongmobile out of this monochrome symbolist hellscape. <laughs> Waiter, check please. <laughs> we have a three minute long aerial pullback from the beach. The rock spires, the grassland, the city, the river. Sadly not terminated in the map of time holes from Time Bandits, sorry folks. This is just a landscape shot cast in blues and greys of what looks like France's Gironde region. Only, once we get far enough out, four goddamn minutes later, we realize it's a phenomenally large Ark of Noah. What a twist. No one saw that one coming. Noah one saw that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> or the planet looks a bit like an egg. Yeah, it's a... It's, I mean, really, when, when, when you take it all as a whole, it's so clear. It's so obvious. Yeah. Everything's yeah. an egg. Uh, you like, know what well, I bet was inside the started... egg? Another fucking egg. <laughs> That's true. Um, oh, when it right. just pulled back, I was like, no way this is actually happening. And I had to, like, fast forward 15-second <laughs> intervals. I'm like, no, wait. Are we still Are we still doing? Okay. Uh, and I just kept clicking. And I'm like, what the fuck? What percentage this of this is movie the TikTok is, like, generation for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, My yes. notes on this are slowest zoom out ever. At least there's a nice score. <laughs> <laughs> no attention span at all. You people don't deserve eggs. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Anyway, after all of that, fade out, roll an interminable three and a half minutes worth of credits, of course, and this thing is done. I just want to point out that you've got that, what is that, four-minute-long aerial pullback with then three and a half minutes worth of credits. That is fully 10% of this fucking film. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so deep. It's so meaningful. It's so cheap. And you get under 60 minutes. No, no, no. We have yeah, no. 71 no. minutes. Exactly. No. Over. Yeah, 71. 71 minutes. 71 minutes of things that, like, appear on the screen. Ah, but, see, like, 50 if, uh... minutes worth of stuff that you actually have to watch. <laughs> With a whopping six minutes of dialogue in the whole thing. Fucking hell. Yeah, but listen, if you think about it, 71 minutes, 7 plus 1 is 8. 8 is two eggs on top of each other. It's all <laughs> eggs all the way down. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well done. Eggs I didn't, li eggs I didn't eggs. like eggs at the beginning of this, and now, yeah. <laughs> Real. I think we can cut through the cafeteria of dismay. Then it's just the gift shop of Melancholy on the left, and we're out of here. Everyone is allowed to get one item, nothing fancy. Ooh, I want a novelty pencil. I want pamphlets. Oh, the pamphlets. Ooh, ooh, and maybe they have some cool books for my book. Oh, God damn it. I don't have a fucking bookstore anymore. I heard they have the bottomless donut holes of wistfulness and the bleakest, blackest coffee. That definitely fits my aesthetic. Hey, Andy, want to get a novelty souvenir? Uh, for this film, what would that even look like? It's like a jigsaw puzzle made of raindrops. It's like a teapot full of shadows. Eh, it was pretty good, I guess. The important thing is, 
we managed to visit somewhere without ruining things for once. Um, let's just go. Well, I guess there's another place we could never go back to. I'll add it to the list. Ugh. Just want to get out of this rain. Can we go somewhere that's dry next? Come on, we'll catch the next train out of this bleak, symbolist hellscape. We just have to wait at the station made of screaming statues. Well, while we're waiting, let's render judgment. Render judgment! I was just about to insist on that. I judge this film guilty on all counts. Overwhelmingly guilty. <laughs> Definitely guilty. I don't even know what the hell we just watched. Is it guilty? Is it not guilty? The charges don't even make sense. Make a decision. I decide that I hate Daniel for suggesting this movie. Is the film guilty or not guilty? I don't know. Guilty, I guess. I'm just mad. Thank you. My favorite part of this movie is during the first few seconds of the film when she just picks up the egg and looks at it and goes, I love this angel's egg and uses the title of the film in the film and then goes into that long monologue where she explains the symbolism of the egg and what we're going to be watching for the next hour and a half. And then I woke up and realized I was watching this film. It's guilty as fuck. <laughs> Personally, I think this movie tackles faith the way that American films tackle Eastern religions' faith. We think it's weird. We don't really get it. But put it in a movie. People will watch it. When I saw this, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, wow. oh, really? That's pretty true. They totally turn the tables. Like, They're like... Hmm, it's there, mystical like, and western. These these Christians are bizarre. Like, look at all this crazy <laughs> shit. Let's put it in a movie. Eggs I, and rebirth and rabbits and shit. And, so, and giant arcs and stuff. Yeah, so why not? So what's funny is I, I have a fairly strong read on what I think this film is about with regard to faith and stuff, but that is such an amazing hot take. I, I You win. It's just when he's talking, he's reading the Bible verses and he meanders off into it. Yeah, and all of this is an existential, meaningless shit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's like when someone's read like three like Buddhist verses and suddenly you, might want to, it, uh, you know. Memory uh, Washi is not at all religious and certainly not a Christian. Oh, no. oh that's that's the point. That's pretty like, obvious. The like, yeah. yeah. You're definitely <laughs> coming to this as an outsider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you start improving fucking verses from the, you know, from the Great Flood. Like, like I'm just going to improv some Genesis pieces and just chuck that in there, right? Like, that, that must have happened in the Flood, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he's got this thing on his shoulder. It kind of looks like a machine gun, but it kind of looks like a cross. Like, what the fuck is going on? No, they... It looks cool, so let's do it. <laughs> it's like when someone knows, like, two things about Buddhism and suddenly decides that they're very enlightened and can quote you know, quote the Buddha and exactly. in lotus pose and stuff, you know, exactly. but it's turned on us. It's like, instead of, you know. Hey, like, hey, hey, I feel personally attacked by the extremely relatable content. <laughs> right. I know so much about Eastern religion. Now it's like, oh exactly. my gosh, this Western religion, it's so different and exotic. Like being exactly. exoticized is not, not something that Westerners are used to. No. Not at all. Though I will say, I think that one thing. That is totally thing... what's happening here. 
It's exoticizing yes. Western religion. Well, yes. I, I will note one thing where I think it's a yes, but right. There's I think there's a reason that he went for specifically the flood. Uh, like the, there's a really strong theme in Japanese uh, like pop culture, particularly anime and manga about um, post-apocalypse, apocalypse, the destruction of the world, recovery, even even all of their cyberpunk stuff is very like something bad happened and we're kind of putting it back together. We're in the middle of like a slow apocalypse. Yeah, and that's Akira, because Akira. of Yeah, it's because of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? That is indelibly marked into the Japanese psyche. So no, well, Noah is also, the apocalypse story of the Bible. So there's a reason well, that that one in particular story, resonated to him. The flood story and Noah were not original to the Bible. It's taken from the Epic of Gilgamesh, which was like um, from Mesopotamia. Oh, like yeah. This flood story has been passed down through generations and generations. It's not Western. It was Eastern before it was Western. Well, I mean, arguably, I mean, the Bible is not Western it's been either. It's stolen and or you know, borrowed multiple times. I mean, the Old so, Testament isn't technically a European thing either. Um, but yeah, no, your point is well taken. Like, there was a thing before the Bible that inspired the Bible. Really interestingly enough, like, jumping onto that for a second, um, it, it, like, looking at the archaeological record, there was an area which is now, I think it's the North Sea, that, that whole area. Yeah. Um, they've, they've been doing side scanning sonar and they're finding evidence of, of Neolithic settlements or, or settlements that were there during uh, the Ice Age. But as the Ice Age was ending, you know, there, there was a massive flood event, which was, you know, like yeah. people were being forced out of where they had been living for generations and generations. And all that shit's under hundreds of feet of water now. But like, that's, you know, they're, they're finding that like that may have been, you know, these different, that's why there's a flood uh, myths across the world is because there was a massive flood event that happened when the ice age ended. And so many different cultures have this in their memory, you know, sort of etched into the, the collective human memory. Well, it, it happened back Racial at the memory, point where right? we hadn't spread out that much. You know, they talk about like the cradle of civilization yeah. uh, region. That's when and where it happened. And then everybody just went in different directions from there. And they took their little flood story with them. Mm. My arms well, pumping because, here. Um, Japan yeah. as well is almost entirely coastal and built on earthquake zones. So massive apocalyptic floods are a huge part of Japanese culture because they happen yeah. so often. That yeah. too, yeah. Um, but anyway, long story long. <laughs> but uh, good talk, guys. No, this uh, is good shit. Yeah. Do we want to... Um... I'm sorry to disagree with your interpretation of the religious ministry. No, the... not at all. No, I, I, That's what this I mean, is about. That's what this is about. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll probably when elaborate later. I'll elaborate later on what I think it is about with regard to faith and hope. And it, the religion, you're what? right, the religion... <laughs> and I think the religion part of it is, is I think you kind of nailed it, right? That's kind of just like a, ooh, that's kind of a cool thing over there that I can like put on top because it has some like visuals that will resonate with people. Exotic. Right? It's more about faith and hope than it is about religion. But and um, Soviet montage. Yeah, and Soviet <laughs> montage. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But anyway, so and Ethan, where did you want us tanks. to pick up? Steampunk dong tanks. Steampunk dong tanks. tanks. That is my uh, new sorry. band name. That's it. You got it. Right next to Uranium Playpen. That's, which I stole from Jello the Afra to acknowledge it. I thought that was fucking awesome. Okay, I'm going to stop. Though, I mean, you... an interesting time viewing, but completely incomprehensible and 
I wanted to see some actual flying whales. I feel robbed. I only saw I know, the just shadows. shadows. What the fuck was that? And I am disappointed. <laughs> so completely guilty. I don't know why it couldn't have been a Dunkley Osteus instead of a coelacanth. I would have liked to have seen a Dunkley Osteus instead. That would have completely changed the meaning. I don't think he understood the metaphor. I'll meta your four. Well, as for me... Metaphor, metaphor, <laughs> You can metaphor to water, but you can't make it think. All right, all right. Let's <laughs> let Andy actually talk. As for me, I first saw this film when I was about... 11 or 12, because they a couple of Australians got the distribution rights to it in 1988, cut the thing up, and fitted it around live-action settings that they filmed themselves in California to produce this bizarre half-animated, half-live-action film called In the Aftermath, where they tried to make it all make sense. And they added lots of extra speeches and actual people talking and stuff. And it was so weird and so crazy that it messed me up completely. In many ways, this film helped make me who I am today. And for that reason, it's absolutely guilty. <laughs> I feel that I must, in fact, judge this film guilty of... Sorry, something I ate. Um, I mean, uh, guilty. Yes, guilty of Cinemania. In that case, I call this conclave to a close. Uh, clonk, clonk. We'll find you a gavel next time, boss. Thank you. Well, I still don't get it. Look. It's a simple story of the sky. The children that episode of the Cinemania Society was written and performed by Zachariah Burks, Ethan Ireland, Andrea Palladino, Andy Slack, Andre Luke Martinez, Hope Bravo, and Daniel Scribner. Produced, mixed, and mastered by Ethan Ireland. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Sound effects and incidental music courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Thanks, Epidemic Sound. Visit us at cinemaniasociety.podbean.com for season one and profiles in Cinemania. We have social media for you to join the discussion. We have a subreddit at r slash the Cinemania Society and a Facebook group. If you liked what you heard, head over to Patreon and throw us a few bones. We love making fun stuff for folks to listen to, but it sure isn't free. And anything and everything helps. The Cinemania Society is a product of the Cinemania Society, LLC, and will sue. <laughs>